Hi, my name is Randy Smallwood, and I'm president and CEO of Wheaton Precious Metals. Um, we are at a very exciting stage in our company. We've got, we've just started off a pretty aggressive growth campaign, and for the next over the next four or five years, we'll be increasing production by pretty close to fifty percent. And that's not counting anything else we add on. We're very busy at looking at new opportunities, and so uh, there's never been a better time to own more Wheaton. Good job done. <laughs> go now. <laughs> Off you go. Um, good to see you back in London again. Yes. So, so always, soon. Always a pleasure. And and uh, and I'm now an honest man, married man. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> as I last saw you. Yes, is. thank okay. you. Um, right. We, you're, you're part of this kind of Canadian uh, symposium, amongst other things, this week. How's it going over there? Good. Actually, I was pretty happy with the crowd. Uh, Northern Miner uh, Canadian Mining uh, Symposium and a mm. uh, pretty good crowd. And so, yeah, I just... Uh, Got, I was honored enough to be invited to be a keynote for the afternoon and uh, had had really good crowd engagement too. So uh, okay. pretty happy with it. And hey, Mr. Friedman got uh, caught short. His, his jet was <laughs> not up scratch. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't heard. I heard he wasn't there. I didn't know why. Okay. So, I, th so. I think none of champagne in the fridge or something like that. Probably. Uh, um, now, you, okay, you were a keynote. So what are the big topics that you wanted to talk to people about? Yeah, let's start with a little bit of that before we get into Wheaton. Sure. Uh, yeah, because that's uh, it, it was much more general. It was more about yeah. the gold market yeah. itself as a whole, right? And so I've just finished off in September. I finally handed over the reins as chair of uh, of the World Gold Council. So I spent three years there, but it's been an incredibly exciting three years, and it, and I think we've sort of re-energized and reinvigorated the World Gold Council as a as the the advocacy group for gold in terms of. Uh, pushing forward um, on a number of different fronts. First off, on the education side and, and just getting knowledge out there about what gold delivers to society, but also modernizing how we trade gold, how we own gold. And so, um, you know, spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, a new initiative, the World Gold Council. It's not new. We've been working on it for a while, but um, it's an initiative in terms of digitalizing how we trade gold and how we move gold around okay. so that you can get to the point of instant settlement. You have confidence behind your 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 tokens or your digital you know uh, digital tokens that you know there's the yeah. physical gold I mean through blockchain all of this technology is available and so we're working our way forward through this process um, and uh, making good progress um, with what we call <laughs> we've got our own version of the G20 which is uh, it's a number of different uh, players in the bullion space that, right. that need to be involved in this, from regulators to the trading banks, the bullion banks, the vaulting companies, the LBMA, the regulatory agencies, uh, the and of course the World Gold Council leading this, pushing forward. And and uh, and so our, our ultimate objective is to have a, a not-for-profit driven uh, system here that is uh, intended to digitalize the way we own gold. So the gold doesn't have to move anymore. You can right. actually just assign tokens. You can have through blockchain, correlate it back to a physical address. You know where your gold is at the back it. You have good provenance behind it. Um, we've got a, a program called Gold Bar Integrity Program that all of the members of the World Gold Council are now, uh, as of September, we've all committed that all gold we produce is now being registered within this blockchain. And, and as it gets delivered to the refineries, it'll it'll allow the refineries to have good provenance records about where that gold has come from to go into finished bars as it goes out. So just progress on so many fronts. Okay. And so something like that, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big goal. That's an ambitious goal. You, you mentioned regulators in there, so it's good to have them in the conversation. Yeah. Because at some point, things like that usually governments 
do you like to interfere? Do you like to <laughs> have some financial benefit of and maybe take control of? I mean, that's, it's, it's an ambitious move. When you when you talk about some of these part the G I, I guess the G and the G twenty stands for gold, does it? Yes. We're gonna yeah, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> the the how, how do you ensure this sort of impartiality, this kind of global uh, ambition? Well, that's why it's gold. Gold is very liquid. It's accepted everywhere. It can't be owned and controlled or or or, or steered by any one entity because there's other gold out there, and so. That's the that's the beauty of gold is that it it is apolitical. It doesn't have that distant right. subject to political influence. Now, obviously, market conditions are always subject to many different types of influences, stuff like yeah. that, and political events do impact it. But the fact that gold itself is resilient through that, it can't be manipulated, it can't be adjusted, it can't be steered. That's the huge advantage. Until the point where you need to kind of liquidate it, presumably. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I guess what's really interesting a bit about that ambition is the 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 kind of the, the fiat currency conversation that's been going on a while, especially in this climate. Right. Um. You know, you've you've got the fiat currencies, especially the U.S. dollar, mm-hmm. wanting to have huge influence over initiatives like this, blockchain initiatives, Bitcoin right. initiatives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. Yeah. So, um, the point at which someone wants to liquidate their holding in physical gold, mm-hmm. they it's need to go back market. into the system. Well, of course, as as you would with you want to liquidate your U.S. dollars, right? You have to go back into the system. So, right, and don't know where the question. Well, is. I'm not sure. What is this? It's kind of like Bitcoin is saying, well, you can't be a true Bitcoin person because you know where Bitcoin is saying, well, we can actually go and then start physically buying stuff with Bitcoin. They're, they've tried to get like you look at El Salvador and places like that where they kind of introduce it as a currency. Okay. <laughs> it hasn't gone or, too well for them, but <laughs> it, no, but it's sustained. You know, it hasn't gone too well in some ways, but in other ways, it kind of it's, it's still it's still there and people and can I'm, transact. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hypothesize yeah. that, that I would long. have I would have way more success buying something with gold coins right now anywhere in the world than I would with Bitcoin in work. Okay. Um, I don't disagree know. with you, but... Yeah, exactly. It's uh, but, it, it's two totally different scale of markets there. Right. Bitcoin is the Wild West. Um, it just doesn't have that 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 credibility, that that store of value, that solid nature to it. Mm. So um, what, what we have seen, though, is that, you know, in reality, the way we own gold hasn't really changed in the last 50, 100 years. Yeah, um, the ETF was created about twenty plus years ago, which did, in in a sense, allow you to digitally own gold by investing into an ETF, and, and of course, gets audited so that you know it's allocated. Uh, you know, certain of the ETFs you have high confidence levels, but it's time to go to the next step. It's time to, as we call it, gold two four seven. It's time to get gold to the point of where you can trade it twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. And right. the technology is there. We've we've seen the technology. We know it works. Now it's a matter of applying it. But we need to make sure that when it's done, it's done so that it's respected by the institutions and by the regulatory agencies. It needs to be done that way. So that, because trust is one of the key things. One of the, one of the best stories that I've heard uh, of, of recent is Costco, Mm -hmm. big American retail firm, probably the most trusted name in retail space in terms of quality for good value. They, they've started selling gold on their online site. They don't sell it in their stores. They just Mm -hmm. sell it in their online site Mm -hmm. and they can't keep gold in stock. They can't keep it. Every time they bring in new gold, it's gone within half an hour, mm. half an hour to an hour at most. They just can't keep it in stock. Why? Because there's a lack of trust about where else you can find gold, but with a company like Costco, so well-respected, well-trusted, the demand is there. And now 
what we need to do is create, and what, what we are at the World Gold Council doing is trying to create something that's at that, that level of trust or a higher level of trust so that, mm. so that, um, so that investors, that, that mankind can have confidence in the fact that there's solid gold backing them. Right. And I think people have, because I mean, it's because in catchphrase, it's a store of wealth, right? So mm-hmm. gold is a store of wealth. What I'm trying to understand is the extent of the ambition towards it's a, it's also and its ability to transact. It, right. It, it may ultimately become a currency. Where our right. objective well, is to, going. yeah, no, and, and yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to take on the U.S. dollar. I'm not here to to destroy the U.S. dollar. Yeah. But it, you know, there's there's a reason why the crypto space has existed because people are looking for something that is um, apolitical, that doesn't have not subject to political influence, mm. and that's what their hope is with the crypto space. Unfortunately, what they're what they're missing is the, the amount of greed that's also in there. You know, uh, corrupting that space. Uh, when you have a good, solid, uh, a gold-backed system of of digitalizing how you move a commodity around, you're right. It it, it almost starts to look like a currency. And so, yeah, the, the long-term goal, if if it gets widely accepted and taken to that, maybe you will be able to when you slide your card into the credit card machine and you have a choice right now between, for me, Canadian dollars or, or British pounds. Maybe the uh, one of the options will be in the future. Uh, a standard gold unit. You know, okay. if I want to use gold to do that, um, okay. That's uh, I, I hope that we eventually get to that point. Okay, gold back currency two point zero. Here we come. <laughs> right, um, we better get onto weed and things before we do. Right, you, you're hanging out with film stars now, obviously. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. Thanks for making yeah. the time. Well, it's uh, um, yeah. Go tell everyone about this. This is quite a big deal. So we released last night here in London. There was quite a party. I'm still sort of feeling the effects of it a little okay. bit. Okay, uh, so I'll speak um, slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we released uh, uh, had the release party for for Gold: A Journey with Idris yeah. Elba, and Idris is uh, uh, an amazing actor. And and but uh, you know, I go back to us originally approaching him about coming in to talk about this, and what we're trying to do is again education show people, um, you know, uh, in our, in our eyes, I mean, obviously it's the world gold council, but we're trying to, pro- to, to provide a balanced view of what the gold mining industry does to society for society. Right. And, um, and so Idris tours the world all the way from Northern Canada to Peru, to New Zealand, to India, to Ghana, to South Africa. Uh, and spent a little bit of time here in the vaults in the in the Bank of England here in London, um, and and learning about the gold industry itself, and concluding at the end, very you know with 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 strong conviction about how he now understands why society needs gold and why why society needs the gold industry, gold mining industry, in terms of delivering what it does to society. And uh, it's a really well done. It's a short vignette. It's available on. YouTube for free. You don't have to pay. There's no Netflix or anything like this. Um, but uh, again, encourage everyone, well, all the reviews. I haven't had a, a negative review out of it yet. And Idris is an amazing actor. And so I, I, I said the biggest challenge we have, is I'm not sure how we're going to follow this one up because it was so well done and, and a huge response last night. So uh, yeah, good. yeah, it was really well done. Good, good, good. I, I, and it's also on the Gold Call, the cancer website, I think. Yes. As well. So um, yeah. go, go, go find that. Worth, worth. You know what's interesting about it? So seeing someone who knew nothing about it, mm-hmm. go on that journey and just so, just opening up oh, and to what it meant to different cultures, different, you know, people yeah. in, all around the world. It's, it's, it's kind of en- enduring in that sense. It, it is. You know? and, 
And it was uh, it was interesting because I think Idris also learned a little bit more about himself and his own history. He's half Ghanaian and mm-hmm. from Ghana, and his mum was 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 from Ghana, mm-hmm. and so he went back to to understand a bit more about the area that she was from and, and yeah. the impact that gold had for thousands of years in that area. And uh, um, you know, uh, Idris, uh, you know, as I said, even learned a bit more about his own background, his own culture, his own roots, mm. and then how important gold was in 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 defining that. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it was. It's a really well done. Uh, you know, encourage everyone to to take the time. It's sixty five minutes long, so it's take but an it hour to it. It felt quick. You know, kind of the yeah. best. Good time. Oh yeah. Good time. Yeah. 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 Anyway, enough of that. Better talk what we're here for. Talk about Wisa. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wisa. They pay my salary. <laughs> We, we better talk about that. So, like, um, last week kind of caught up back in June, I think it was, you know, we, we, we kind of did a lot of background stuff. So I don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, but I, what I do want to talk about is this kind of this building. When you're a big company, we're a $19, $20 billion company, you've got to keep talking that growth story, right? right. You've got to keep building. Now, you mentioned at the outset here, and certainly the opening monologue there, that this is coming up for like a, a good year for you guys. It's mm-hmm. kind of building up on the on the revenues, right? It's so maybe multiple years, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, 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 so this so is the start where we are. So, I, you know, last year was a bit of a challenging year for us, and I think we've hit our, our well, in fact, it's clear, the evidence, our first two quarters have already shown that, that we're climbing up out of, we, we had a, a, a bit of a low in production last year, but for the, for the next five years, Every quarter is going to be better than the last one. Every quarter, and we're going to grow cumulatively over fifty. Well, we're just just shy of fifty percent in right. the in the next five years. And this is all. This is not counting any new acquisitions. And we're very busy on that. Yeah. And so yeah. so we're already. And you sit and think about this as a twenty billion plus or minus yeah. twenty billion dollar company to have a fifty percent growth level in production. It's, it's, it, it's, there's nothing that exists in the streaming and royalty space. Franco Nevada, nowhere near that. Royal Gold, nowhere near that. The amount of growth that we have, we are going to take streaming to a whole new level uh, in terms of the scale and size of what we're actually delivering to, to our, to our investors, to our shareholders. And, and we're so busy, uh, like we just see so many further opportunities to do this. And so I, we're not going to stop there, but the next five years are incredibly exciting for us. And, and I just, I, I, I think we're perfectly positioned to capitalize on what I think is going to be a good, strong market in precious metals, because not only with that increasing uh, strength in precious metal pricing, we're going to have substantive growth all the way through this process. And, and, and it's not, there's, there's no company of our scale that has a growth profile like we do over the next five years. Right. It's actually, it's probably worth it. Cause I always say it's hard to um, forget for me. There's a lot of people that are here sort of need to see some of the terminology, yeah. okay, and that's that's important. So, streaming, just explain how that works. Sure, sure. So, streaming is we supply capital to the mining industry, and we supply it by investing into assets for a portion of the metal that they produce. Now, typically, uh, most of our streams actually come from copper mines, and so with the you know the demand in copper around the world right now, that's very exciting for us because we see continued investment into those copper mines. More than half of our gold and silver comes from copper mines. And so these copper mines, they have a little bit of byproduct. They have produced a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver. We approach the copper mining companies uh, and we say, we'll give you a bunch of money up front. That's our upfront investment. That's our fixed capital cost. No surprises on the capital cost side. And you give us a percentage of whatever gold you produce while you're mining this copper. The gold comes out with the copper all the way through the process, goes all the way to the copper smelter. It only gets separated at the smelter, but 
we get a percentage of whatever gold comes out of that mine for the life of the mine, as long as the mine goes forward. We've had incredible success on the exploration side. We've essentially explored and found every ounce that we've ever mined. We've replaced it. And so our reserve and resource base has not shrunk at all in terms of uh, these mines exhausting themselves because we've had exploration success. And, and what we deliver to, to shareholders is a very low-risk way to invest into some really good mines because our operating costs are fixed. When that gold gets delivered to us, we make a production payment on a per-ounce basis. Mm. Our capital costs are fixed. So there's zero cost risk from uh, from um, which is very unusual in the mining space yeah. in the resource space because yeah. if there's one area that the mining industry has continuously failed is is on cost promises they they continually over budget on either capital or operating costs are higher our costs are fixed our costs are predictable very high margin business we're we're operating at about seventy five percent. 75% operating margins right now. So, 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 so let's break that down for people again for, for the uninitiated here. So for every ounce you purchase, <laughs> what do you pay? We pay our, our average cost per ounce of gold right now is about $430 an ounce. Right. And, and so our profit is the difference between the spot price and $430 per ounce. Our company has uh, only 40 employees. So GNA is not significant for us. Mm -hmm. So we don't have any hidden costs or anything that's chewing up on that. And actually, in particular, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with, on the dividend front, we actually, we actually uh, pay more back to our shareholders and dividends on a per ounce basis than any other, substantially than any other company in the precious metal space. Over $400, an additional $400 goes back to our, to our shareholders in the form of a dividend. Right. And so like, key three numbers, about to come out, you got the you got the call scene. Uh, when was it November? November ninth or something like that, right? Okay. So let's 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 talk about some of the headline numbers from Key Two. So just people get a, a sense of the quantum. Yeah. So uh, our cash balance, our balance sheet is incredibly strong. We have zero debt, and we have uh, we had uh, over eight hundred million dollars cash on hand at the end of Q two. We do have some commitments coming up in terms of funding construction going forward, but we are generating about a billion dollars a year in cash flow right now, and that billion is going to climb as we grow. The 50% growth should should push us up even higher than that, even with, if, even if prices stay where they are right now. And so, so um, you know, the production looks good. It was, again, a bump up in production over the previous quarter. As I said earlier, I really think there might be some volatility here, but really for the next five years, every quarter is going to be better than the previous quarter in terms of that. So, so I think we're set up quite well. We've our two, you know, our flagship asset, the Salobo asset, is is doing very well uh, in terms of the third phase startup, but also you know building phase one and phase two back up to its original uh, capacity, and so. So that's that's really helping us, um, and so we're shaping up for a pretty decent year. Okay, so. You Quarter after quarter growth is what you're you're telling us over the next five years. If you did nothing, that's right, exactly. Right, that doesn't count. That doesn't the count. New opportunity. So let's talk about the ambition, the aggression there mm -hmm. in terms of the these opportunities that get put in front of you. The profile of, of a target that you're looking for looks like what on average? Well, the, the the most important thing for us is that it's got high operating margins. Uh, so the first first criteria that we have to put any potential opportunity through is is if this mine operates, where does it fit in the operating cost curves? And so if it's a copper mine, we want to make sure that it's an asset in the first and second quartile of the worldwide copper cost curve. We're not really interested in the higher cost assets. So that's typically the and first- why is that? Explain well, what happens because there. If, if our partners aren't profitable, we're not profitable. So we want to make sure they're profitable. And in fact, 
the more profitable they are, the more focused they are on on making sure that they get the best value out of this mine. If they're getting good, strong returns out of this mine, they're going to continue. That's where they're going to spend their exploration dollars. That's where they spend the expansion studies to see if they should grow production, ramp it forward. And so, you know, the more profitable our partners are, the more profitable we are. And so by focusing on assets that have high operating margins for the operators, when they're producing their copper, we get the benefit of that continued reinvestment into these good, strong, profitable right. mines. And 93% of our current production yeah. comes from the bottom half of the respective cost curve. Again, to have a diversified portfolio that delivers that much metal and 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 to have 93% of it in the bottom half, there's not a precious metals company that has, I, I think it's the highest quality portfolio in the mining space. Right. Hard to find. Mm -hmm. Yep. A little bit of competition. Diamonds I know you're the 800-pound <laughs> gorilla in the room, but... It's this competition as well, right? So it's, it's hard to find. So when you look, when you're looking around the, globally at the moment, it's it's it could be it can be expensive if it's competitive. So you obviously want to the you want the best value, you want best return yeah. on your investment, right? So how how do you go about securing a deal? Why should people pick you guys versus? Some of the people you mentioned. So I always argue that's the most important difference between streaming and some of the traditional royalties that you see out there. And even royalties. Is that the competition? Royalties only. No, no. Well, there's the, no because even the royalty companies are now streaming companies. They don't even yeah. do royalties because streams are just better. They're 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 much more focused. Yeah. But a stream is a partnership. That's a key difference between a stream and a royalty. Is just a registration on land, send to the check, and no communication. Streams are partnerships, and so we. We constantly put focus on trying to help our partners be better. And one of the one of the things that I'm most proud of is is now for ten years we have been co-contributing towards community support programs. And that means even though we don't operate the mines, we recognize that the communities and the neighbors around those mine sites they're they're impacted by these sites. And so you want to make sure you're leaving some good sustainable benefits to these sites. And so we work with all of our partners to try and enhance their ability to deliver good, positive benefits, sustainable benefits to the local communities itself. And I'm proud of that track record because we kicked it off. We started that 10 years ago, mm -hmm. and now every company in the streaming and royalty space, whenever they're signing a new deal, there's always a component of how much are you going to contribute to the communities. And that, right. that is something that, that we as, a, as an entire industry need to do a better job of, is making sure that people understand that there is good, strong, sustainable benefits for the communities. And so, so we become a partner of choice and people like, um, like having us as a partner. We have a good, strong, when I look back at the last 13 transactions we've done, nine of them are with either people or companies that we've dealt with in the past. Those are repeat customers. Why? Because they like working with Wheaton. We, we really put a lot of effort into trying to to, to deliver a different product, to be supportive, and to find ways to add value beyond the upfront payment and, and, and continually supportive, right? Do, can people put a dollar number on that in terms of that type of help? Well, I mean, here's, here's, here's what I, here's the best example. We've, we've seen a lot of uh, political unrest in Peru over the last uh, couple of years. And there's, there's only two mines in all of Peru that have never had any substantive roadblocks or challenges with the local communities. And those are the two mines that we have streams on. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not going to take credit for that because we're not the ones that are running those, those, those uh, social license programs with the local communities. But what I can tell you is that those, those two partners of ours in Peru, two totally different operations, they both have had good success and good strong support from their local communities. And I know we're helping and that's the key thing. And so that's there. That 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 in itself is a good enough measure of why we do it.
Okay, so you, you aim for companies in the bottom court, bottom half, not quarter. Yeah. Oh, we we really like bottom quartile. Yeah, we'll take yeah, yeah. Take <laughs> bottom decile. I hate that. No, that, so 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 that's right. Are there companies that fall outside of that? But you know, with your capital, they can change that. The, the economics around that. Mm-hmm. Whatever is they're trying to do. Or did you need them to be already there? Yeah. No, we were. I mean, uh, we put bids in on everything, but we risk uh, rated. So if it's a third quartile asset, then we increase the risk profile, which means yeah. increasing the discount, which means we're not. Our capital becomes more expensive. Yeah. If it's fourth quartile, we really increase the cost of our capital. We don't, we don't, we, we, we kind of put, if we think it's going to be a mine, we'll put a bid in. Right. But we're just not ultra competitive. So we'll leave the third and fourth quartile stuff for our peers. And that's typically what we've seen is that you go and look at even the bigger peers beside us. If you look at the distribution of their uh, quality, it's nowhere near as high quality as ours. So you're leaving the kind of operational decision making to them. So you help. I, I, I get the social license mm-hmm. stuff that, and there you can put a dollar number thing on that. I guess. Right. Um, but in terms of the operational component, you, you guys, as part of your valuation, you can say, well, you guys are good, but ultimately, I'm looking for bottom half um, cost companies. Yeah. We're not going to come in here and advise you how to be better miners. Is there some part of the- Well, we're always happy to share advice, but um, right. but in the end, the operators have to operate. Sure. They're the ones that have the ultimate responsibility to that. That's one of the beauties of streaming is that we're not in there telling them how to do things. Yeah. But if we see ways to improve, we'll share that. We right. visit every asset at least once a year, quite often, more often than that. And um, and you know, one of the reasons we do that because we do see a lot. So we see yeah, a lot of best practices. Right. We see a lot of worst practices. Because um, you're in those data rooms that. as well, aren't oh, you? You're yeah. seeing the real data. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. No. So we and not only that, we also get to look at a lot of new opportunities where we yes. decide not to invest into, but we we have a look at what's going on there, and there's you know, ultimately stuck. reasons why we don't. And so we do get a lot, you know, because we get that nice broad exposure, it's it's important for us to share that experience and that knowledge with our partners. Yeah, I guess your set comp set of yours is more extensive than they could possibly right. have with, the, with, the, no with their experience, no right? No doubt. Okay, correct, correct. that's interesting. Yeah. And, do you, and do you have people like managing that, that, that kind of data analysis? That's kind of interesting to me. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we have an operations team um, that, that is responsible for overseeing uh, all of our existing contracts, and they focus on on visiting on a regular basis and, and sort of getting updates. updates. You know, uh, also measuring the success and understanding what our contributions are in terms of community support programs and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we have. Well, so, what do you like to say? This, this is for, this isn't for your company. This is for companies CEOs looking in and listening to this conversation, going, "What do I need to look like to be able to kind of qualify and attract?" Someone like a week and fur, much further down the line. You know, how, how do they need to behave? How do, what was the data? Which well, needs to be get? What's important? <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the first thing is, you know, just build a, build a solid uh, project plan, your feasibility study. Make sure you've got good solid data behind it. Um, you know, we are pretty critical in terms of going through and looking at the uh, projects itself. And so, so you know, focus on answering those questions. Um, it's It's, you know, Hopefully, you've got a project that 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 can carry those operating margins that fits into that. They, and we'll say there's a lot of tougher projects out there that are waiting for a higher commodity price sometime in the future before they move forward. And, and so, um, for us, one of the other aspects is the the whole community relations side, the whole uh, social license side has moved a lot earlier. And so, you know, at the at the exploration stage, the development stage, you've you've got to spend the time talking to the community. You can't just go in find it, 
you know, do all the drilling, get it all up, do the feasibility, and then go down and sit with the community. Mm. You have to, you know, it's it's a it's a program that starts right at the exploration stage, and so you just have to make sure you you've 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 built that because when we come in to look at the project, we're going to sit down with your local community members. We're gonna we're gonna get a measure of how well you've done as a company in terms of building that bond with with your neighbors. Okay, what's the earliest you'll get into a company? Uh, well, that's got to be in a, a resource. We have to be able to put a framework around uh, around you know uh, what the potential for the mine is. Now, we do have a, a program called Early Deposit that actually works really well for companies that are not quite to the feasibility yet, but they've got a resource and they're working their way through. They you know they're in progress in terms of getting that feasibility done, and they just uh, because they don't have you know it, it's 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 a very challenging time for them to raise capital to to move these projects forward. And so this early deposit mechanism allows us to set a framework stream around it. You know, we have the same high level of confidence as we do if it was at feasibility level. So it's, it's kind of a little bit looser, but we'll fund up to 10% of the total value in advance of, of um, uh, feasibility and permits. Okay. That's been very well received because in today's equity market, most of these companies are trading at 0.2 times that asset value. What most people don't, well, I think more and more people are understanding it now is that a stream is incredibly attractive to a company that's at that stage because we're investing into your project based on the value of the metal, not the value of your shares. And, and, uh, and we're paying, we're paying typically one times that asset value for that metal. That's way more attractive than what your shares are trading at. Your shares are trading at 0.2 times that asset value. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's incredibly dilutive if you can source cap, uh, equity investors right now, it's incredibly dilutive. And so I think streaming, to be honest, it, it almost, I mean, we are the long-term investor, right? Mm. This is what the new long-term investor looks like, um, in today's world. And I hate to say it, there's so much shift, uh, on the broader investing space towards index funds that we're just not getting the active management, yeah, the active, active investors out there. Except for the streaming companies. Well, it's interesting, but let's go to my next question. Probably the final question. Well, I know you've got places to be, but um, was we seen like people like RP and recently I think raised two point one, two point two billion bucks, you mm -hmm. know, to, to well, and I've heard they're potentially going to double that. Is this kind of like that's the traditional route of you know equity investors and so forth? This, but they, on the other, so I think that will happen, right? There's a metal super cycle coming. There's a new role for gold in this economic mm -hmm. environment we find ourselves in, and the EV revolution. All those good things. At the other side of it is you've kind of got these these companies which are cash strapped, really struggling to raise affordable capital. So they're coming up with things called alternative financing. Sometimes those things are good because it releases potential, and sometimes they're terminal death spiral type structures because they're just desperate and take anything. Have you seen anything in this kind of alternative space which might be competitive to streaming? Mm, not really. Um, what I what I do constantly see is people trying to modify the streaming business model and mm. and shape it and, and such. Um, some with success. You know, the one challenge that I have seen is that uh, some of these private equity groups um, will will incorporate you know uh, an all-in-one bundle that'll have some convertible debt and some equity and the stream slash royalty on it the stream structures typically are 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 you know th those private equity groups aren't long-term investors 
And so they don't really care much five, 10 years out because they have to collapse the fund and, and move on to the next one and someone will buy it. They'll just market it and push it out there, right? And so the structures aren't, aren't all that, um, you know, what we've seen is that they just don't, they're not worth, because, because of the structures, because of the structural weaknesses that they've sometimes brought in, they're just not worth what a good old wheat in the stream is worth. Well, I think also it's got some weakness in it. And, and well, in centers, you know, we're not talking strictly pipes here. We're, we're talking, um, uh, you can convertibles and all, you know, which, which themselves have, have, have restrictions. But they, the incentives are different there. If your fund incentivized by the management fee and the carry and mm-hmm. not necessarily the long-term success yes, of the company. That's right. Right, okay. okay. When, when, we're, when we're investing, we're investing for the life of the mine. You know, these streams, it's not a liquid market. In fact, we don't want it to be a liquid market. We want to own these streams for the life of the mine. That's our reserve and resource life is 60 years right now. Right. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're long-term investors, true long-term investors. What I find is the PE groups, they're in there for five to 10 years, however long their fund, fund yep. timeline is. And then they've got to collapse it and get out in one way or the other. They're going to, they're not going to be there for the long term. And ideally you're in a good enough position to, to clean that up as it, as it hits your market. But, uh, you know, a streamer is going to be there for the long term. Good, Matt. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in, Randy. Always enjoy it. Cheers.